VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. You know, this is a program that each week brings you so many wonderful things. It shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities. It shows you how to turn your problems into solutions. It's really how to make your dreams come true. I've been doing this work about 25 years. I started when very few people were talking about positive thinking in the media because we hear so much negative was in the media, and we still do. But now people really want hope, and they want practical strategy. And that's what we give them right here on Positive Living. And Voice America is a wonderful network to do that with. Uh, there are many different networks on Voice America, so you can catch them all. But it's very important that we have this kind of programming. It really teaches you, you know, how you can make your life work in so many different ways. This is very solution-based. And today is no exception. We have a great guest on today, a great topic, and it's near and dear to my heart because I'm one of these people. So the name of the book is The Highly Sensitive Person's and the Highly Sensitive Person Survival Guide. And my, my author today is Ted Zeff, Ph.D. I've had him on the program before. He's a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. And again, he's the author of the Highly Sensitive Person Survival Guide. You can log on, log on to hspsurvival.com. Welcome, Ted. Thank you, Patricia, for having me on again. Yeah, it's nice to have you on the program. You know... Let's talk about the highly sensitive person. When did this become popular? When did anybody even decide to study this or figure it out if there was such a thing? About 12 years ago, Elaine Aaron uh, coined the term the highly sensitive person. And when she went around to publishers saying, oh, I have a book called The Highly Sensitive Person, people at first just laughed at her saying, well, no one's going to buy a book with that title. And lo and behold, she not only got the book published, but it sold close to a million copies in the last 12 years. And the reason why it's so popular is that 20% of the population have this trait of high sensitivity. And finally, I get so many emails from people saying, thank goodness, I thought there was something wrong with me, and now I know I'm not alone. It's just a trait I have. Now, how do we determine the 20% of the people? How did that happen? How did it become a statistic? Well, there's a self-test. Well, through the research that Elaine Aaron did, um, through many, you know, thousands of people, she came up with the figure that approximately 20% of the population has a what's called a finely tuned nervous system. So you can look at it actually from a neurological perspective that some people just have trouble screening out stimuli, uh, whether it be noise. A lot of people, we finished the Christmas holidays, People, a lot of people had a hard time with Christmas parties, New Year's parties, Christmas shopping, all these crowds. They just wanted to go home and be quiet. The highly sensitive person also has a lot of challenges when it comes to time pressure. If something has to be done immediately, it's very hard because their nervous system is more sensitive. The the sensitive person is also uh, more sensitive to pain, the effects of caffeine in violent movies. And sometimes they're made uncomfortable by bright lights, strong smells, and changes in their lives. Now, Ted, tell us, what's the upside of 
there's a lot of positive traits, but before I get to that, I just want to say that um, that you could have just one of the traits but have it very intensely and still consider yourself to be highly sensitive. So each person is different in terms of neurologically what they have a trouble with with stimuli. So some some people may absolutely can't stand noise intrusion. Other people say noise doesn't bother me, but I can't stand bright lights or smells. So it just depends. Everybody's different. Now, there's a lot of wonderful traits about being sensitive, and actually I have a CD for sale called the Highly Sensitive Person Healing CD at my website, HSP, which stands for Highly Sensitive Person, hspsurvival.com. And in it, I talk about all the positive aspects, such as sensitive people um, tend to be very conscientious and loyal, deeply appreciate beauty, art, music. Um, We tend to have very deep spiritual experiences. We're very aware of danger before it happens. Um, Highly sensitive people, because we have trouble with, let's say, pollution, we're usually in the forefront of of a lot of the environmental groups about stopping pollution, stopping smoking. Um, the highly sensitive person tends to be very compassionate and understanding. And so we're naturally yeah. counselors, teachers, healers, artists. Right. And so when you say that, you know, counselor, teacher, healer, artist, you know, as you describe this person, I don't see the HSP or the highly sensitive person in a highly competitive corporate environment where they'd be CEO. I, I, could that happen, or is that unlikely? It's it's unlikely, and yet society has a need for t- of all types. Traditionally, Elaine Aaron had talked about what she called the priestly advisor. So you'd have the kings of long ago and the warriors, and then you have the people who are the shamans, the priestly advisors. And there's a need for all parts in society: the aggressive soldiers and the aggressive CEOs. But then there's also the need for the, the artists the counselors, the teachers, the more sensitive people who are going to make the positive changes in society. So what you're saying is that even if, what I'm hearing you say, is that even if the CEO of the company is not the HSP, they're going to want to have highly sensitive people around them. See, in a corporation, even though most corporate situations are the antithesis of what is um, beneficial for an HSP, they're extremely beneficial because they're very loyal. They sense things. They pick up energy. So uh, someone who's got a very non-HSP aggressive bulldog, I call him bulldog in a pejorative sense, but someone who's just very focused on making the profits for a company, sometimes they don't see the whole picture. And so a sensitive person tends to step back and they process things slowly and they look at things more from a global perspective. So in these companies, it's also necessary to have the sensitive person to see things from a more, uh, from a deeper perspective. So it's, again, it's a balance. It's a balance. All right. For people listening to this today, you can give us a call if you're listening live on Monday, January 5th, 2009. So Happy New Year, everyone. And if you are listening live, you can call us at 866-472-5788. I guess today is Ted.
psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can log on to hstsurvival.com, hstsurvival.com. Before the break, um, give us some things that we might do in the morning when we wake up. If we feel that we're very sensitive to stimuli, what can we do to calm ourselves down in the morning? Yeah, instead of just getting up and rushing to work, having a cup of coffee, you want to create a daily routine because that helps a sensitive person be more centered and balanced. So I recommend people, if they're not already doing some kind of morning routine, to get up a little earlier, say 10, 15 minutes, do some stretching, do something to center yourself like meditation, read something spiritually uplifting. You might write, contemplate the day, write something down. Um, and then have a very nourishing breakfast, breakfast, eating slowly, and leaving plenty of time to get to your job. So you want to start the day on a very centered, calm note, because if your nervous system is sensitive, if you jump right in, you'll get more into the, let's say, rat race. You'll get more off-center than if you, if you start slowly and really center yourself. Okay. Now, it sounds to me that there are some strong advantages of being an HSP because you take in more. I mean, you're able to really appreciate things. There's a sense of appreciation, Ted. What do you think? Matter of fact, when this highly sensitive person isn't off balance, when they're centered, they're in a calm place, they can appreciate love, nature, beauty, art more deeply than a non-sensitive person. So the whole key is keeping the sensitive person in balance so that they can, in fact, appreciate life more enthusiastically and deeper on the positive side than someone who isn't that sensitive. So if, they, if an HSP is out of balance, a highly sensitive person, then their nervous system gets keyed up and they kind of lock up, Ted, like they can't, they shut down in a way? Yeah, basically what happens is you, you yourself and a lot of people who are listening probably have had the experience of being, let's say, out out in a shopping mall or some kind of place with a crowd of people, and then you get to a point of saturation point where they just literally can't take the stimuli anymore, the noise, the people, the pushing, and they have to go to a quiet room and just relax. And so it's so important that we, we learn how to monitor our lives so that we don't get to that state of overwhelm. All right, and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are talking to Ted Zepp. Ted is the author of The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, Daily Exercises for Calming Your Senses in an Overstimulating World. And he's also the author of The Highly Sensitive Person's Guide. Ted Zepp is a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. And what he really talks about is that one in every five of us has a nervous system that's especially acute and finely toned. And if you're in this group... On one hand, it's a great gift. You're creative, you're compassionate, you're deeply appreciative of subtle beauty in the world. On the other hand, you're more easily disturbed by noise, bright light, strong scents, crowds, and time pressure than the less sensitive among us. And so what Ted does in his first book and then in his second book, he shows us how we can manage our heightened sensitivity. And that's what we're talking about. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. You can give us a call if you're listening live on Monday, January 5th between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and between 11 and 12 a.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com. And you can write to me, patriciaraskin.com. I have a newsletter and a blog. I'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guests jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america hey dad what i can't get the ketchup bottle open Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com VoiceAmerica.com. You know, this program is about turning your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and it's about making your dreams come true. And each week we interview amazing people that really help you to solve your issues. And that's just what's so important. That's what we're here for. Because we know that you can make your life change. You can work with what you've been given and have a good life. And today we're really talking about something that we've been given, some of us, 20% of us, that is. My guest is Ted Zeff. He's a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area, Ph.D. He's the author of the book, The Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide, and his newer book is The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, Daily Exercises for Calming Your Senses in an Overstimulating World. And the website is HSP for Highly Sensitive Person, hspsurvival.com. Welcome back, Ted. Thank you. Let's talk about healing insomnia for people who are highly sensitive and uh, they have trouble sleeping. Sure. Um, actually, I always think of what Deepak Chopra said, I read in his book years and years ago, that he's a kapha. In Ayurveda, which is a healing science from India, there's different types. 
And the kapha is usually not very sensitive, and the vata is the person who has more of a sensitive nervous system. And he said he, he's a kapha, or basically not too sensitive to stimuli, and he can have two cups of black coffee before bed and fall asleep easily. But a vata, which is someone who's a highly sensitive person, someone who's got the vata constitution, can have a cup of coffee in the morning, and it can keep them awake at night. So if you are sensitive, these are the people who tend to have sleep problems because they just are always, always going. They just can't tune out the stimuli. And I actually teach classes for um, several HMOs on healing insomnia. And some of the major points um, is, number one, try to go to bed early, like by 10 o'clock or earlier, and never look at the clock after 8 or 9 p.m. because the mind needs a cue to keep the insomnia going. And if you don't look at the clock, you're going to have a better time, chance of falling asleep and staying asleep. Hmm. Um, I, re- I recommend people do aerobic exercise or take a walk in nature during the daytime. Not to eat late, eat by 7 o'clock and not have spicy food. You can have some calming tea like chamomile or warm milk before bed. You can take a bath with some essential oil of lavender. Um, the bedroom should be quiet, dark, and a cool temperature. And it's important to stick with a regular routine, going to bed and getting up at the same time. And the, one of the main things is to have a positive attitude towards sleep. I know your program is called is about a, oh, having a positive attitude. And so if you're worried about, oh, my God, what if I can't fall asleep, you're doing negative self-talk. So you change it to positive talk, saying, if you go to bed early, it doesn't matter if you even fall asleep right away or not. Your whole idea is you're relaxing yourself. So you can do some um, progressive relaxation, which is doing deep breathing and watching the muscles relax in your body. And just don't even think about trying to fall asleep. You're just trying to trying to comfort yourself and calm your nervous system down. Um, if you've got an obsessive thought that goes on in your mind, I recommend people write down every solution to the, the negative thought. So thinking about it anymore, you know, isn't going to solve anything. So you're going, you're changing the energy from a negative attitude to a positive one because you can get the solutions. Ted, can you hear me? Yes. What about um, healing music? Healing music is wonderful. I often recommend not only for sleep but just in general if you tend to, if your nervous system is disturbed by ambient noises, loud noises coming in, sharp noises, dogs barking, um, doors slamming, to have some soothing music in the background, or I actually have a white noise machine, or you can have a fan going, something that will tune out that, that negative outside uh, noise is very good. Okay. All right. Now, folks, if you've just tuned in, my guest today is Ted Zeff, and his book is The Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide. And also, he's written another book called The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, which are exercises to calm your senses in an overstimulating world. Now, if you're highly sensitive, that means that you are one in five people. It's a great gift. You're creative. You're compassionate. You're appreciative in subtlety and in beauty. But on the other hand, you may be more easily disturbed by noise, bright lights, strong sense, crowds, and time pressure than the less sensitive among us. And this is talking about ways that we can definitely cope with all of this. Okay, Ted, give us some other thoughts. Other things that you think that we can do to calm our senses. Yeah, and before you say that, there's this physiological um, sensitivity 
as we said, to like lights, noise, um, and then you have emotional sensitivity, and usually there is the correlation of people who are sensitive to physical stimulation also tend to react sensitively. So if somebody says something that's hurtful, the sensitive person will tend to think about it longer and be hurt deeper. And um, the emotional sensitivity is another big part of being a highly sensitive person and learning how to to deal with your life so you're not <clears throat> just always focused on, oh, this person hurt my feelings. A lot of times it has to do with sensitive people because they tend to a little bit tend to be sh- uh, more shy or less self-confident and less bold. Are you there? Hello? I seem to have lost you. Okay, I'm on. Are you on? Yes. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. So um, people who are sensitive tend to be somewhat more shy, a little less self-confident, tend to have a little bit of a lower self-esteem, and so they don't assert themselves. So one thing to do is it's really important for the person who's sensitive, to, even though it's hard for them, to state, it's very important to learn to speak up and state what you want and feel you have more control in your life so you're not in a victim role about, oh, someone said something that hurt me, so that you can learn to say to the person, um, you, know, I, you know, I don't appreciate that. And, and once they feel they have more power, they're not going to be as hurt and nurse their wounds as much. Mm-hmm. So you're saying you have to learn how to stand up for yourself and you have to speak up. Yes. You, you really, and that's important. All right, let's talk about um, let's talk about food, Ted. Are there certain foods that we should stay away from? You know, like sugar that gives you that big high and then gives you a low. Um, certain foods that you would encourage us to eat if we're highly sensitive. What do you think about food? The best food for people who are sensitive, especially now in the winter time, is heavy, warm, moist food because that's very nurturing. It's very calming and it's centering. So, for example, I had a client once who had severe anxiety, and she was on this raw food diet. And, of course, in the wintertime, when your body's already cold and you're having sprouts or lettuce, what do you think it's going to do to your nervous system? It's going to make you more anxious. Mm. So having, like, warm soups, um, rice and bean dishes, casseroles, lasagna... Heavy, heavy, warm, moist foods are very good. And having, you know, it's not to say not to eat salads at all, but eat, tend to eat more salads in the summertime and a little more cooked vegetables in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but you away, know that, it, when you think food. about that, when you, when you share that with us today, that just makes common sense, doesn't it? It does, but a lot of people get in these, you know, they read, oh, it's, it's having raw food is the healthy way. But if you um, if you thought if you think about it just sort of biologically in a way, you know, when you're cold you want warm. Exactly. When you're warm you want cold. I mean it just makes sense to me. I mean, my body will naturally gravitate towards soups in the winter mm-hmm. and salads in the summer. There you go. 
So you got to be sensitive people sometimes have more food allergies, so you have to be very yes, careful yes, of course. About, about that. Yeah. I would stay yeah. away from processed food, yeah. MSG, um, foods with a, a high glycemic index. Um, are you familiar with the glycemic index? Such as? The glycemic index is how quickly the um, carbohydrates turn to sugar in your system. Mm-hmm. So if you have, like, white bread, chips, most cereals, um, white rice, it's going to turn to sugar very quickly, and that'll give you the same as a sugar high as if you had just regular sugar. So you want to have foods that, you know, more protein or foods that are lower, um, lower glycemic index. And there's a book called the, um, the Glycemic Index, and there's a list of each food because some foods like barley is very low, while white rice is very high. So you want to just, uh, Check to make sure that your foods have a low glycemic index, mm-hmm. not to have too many of these starchy carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Spicy foods can can also um, aggravate a sensitive person. And again, I always tell people you're your own doctor. But if you do notice that coffee, spicy foods, any caffeine, like even chocolate, mm-hmm. bad, but chocolate or, or uh, soft drinks that are caffeinated, you know, all that's going to affect your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest today is Ted Zeff. His book is The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, Daily Exercises for Calming Your Senses in an Overstimulating World. And his, uh, he is also the author of The Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide. One in five of us has a nervous system that's especially acute and finely tuned. And if you're in this group, on one hand, it's a great gift. You're creative, compassionate, and deeply appreciative of subtlety and beauty in the world. But on the other hand, you may be more easily disturbed by noise, bright lights, strong scents, crowds, and time pressure than the less sensitive among us. And so what this book does and what what Ted is doing in the interview is he's giving us tips and exercises that we can use to find inner peace in, in any environment, in our relationships, work, daily pressures, exercise, and more. When we come back, we're going to talk about Another book that Ted is in the process of writing about highly sensitive men. And um, we'll certainly answer your questions if you'd like to call us at 866-472-5788. Okay. Um, remember, folks, you can write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. I have a newsletter. I have a blog. I have three radio shows. I would love to hear from you. So certainly do write to me. And I'll call into the shows. I'm on each week between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday and between 11 and noon a.m. Pacific. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, folks. There's more. We'll be right back. Experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our all star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. 
hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine & Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women & Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women & Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women & Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We have a great guest for you today. My guest is Ted Zeff, Ph.D., author of the Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide and the Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, Daily Exercises for Calming Your Senses in an Overstimulating World. About one in every five of us has a nervous system that's especially acute and finely tuned. And if you're in this group on one hand, it's a great gift because you're compassionate and creative and deeply and subtly appreciative of all the beauty in the world. But on the other hand, you may be more disturbed by bright lights and scents and noise and pressure and crowds. So Ted is telling us about what we can do and how we can find inner peace in any environment. Welcome back, Ted Zeff. Thank you. Okay, and you can give us a call if you're listening live on January 5th at 866-472-5788. Tell us about the third book you're writing. The third book I'm writing now is called Strong Men Are Sensitive, Help for Your Sensitive Son and Husband Healing the Sensitive Male. Um, Hmm. And what's interesting is that research shows that baby infant boys are actually more emotional than infant girls. Yet by the time boys are four or five years old, in this society, they're taught to act like a man, which means to repress their emotions, separate from their mother too early, and whenever a boy expresses, or for that, that matter, most men express any compassion or vulnerability or feelings, they're frequently shamed and ostracized. Mm. And the effect of males having to conform to such stereotypical behavior creates suffering on both a personal and societal level, and it's particularly devastating for the sensitive male. I think it's interesting that you said that at four years old already, 
we're already sort of uh, culturating, if that's a word. We're, we're have, you know, we're teaching our boys to be men. Yeah, they're taught uh, very frequently. Boys are taught by the time they're three or four. Come on, big boys don't cry. Come on, your sister can cry, but you can't cry. So oh. Boy. Even the teachers, even the women teachers in first grade, there was a story I read about how this one boy saw his friend come in the classroom. He was so excited, he comes up and gives him a hug, and the teacher sent him to the principal's office for really? inappropriate sexual behavior. Really? Two boys aren't supposed to hug each other in first grade. And it's just absolutely amazing how by the time boys are four or five years old, they've been so acculturated to repress their emotions. The only emotions boys are told they can repress are anger. Anger. And yep. they wonder why there's so much violence among boys, why 90% of, of all the behavior problems wow. in school are coming from boys because that's the only emotion they're allowed to express. So what will, be the, what will be your major points in your book? What are the highlights we need to know about? So basically, parents, it's going to be teaching parents, letting teachers know how to treat boys to become fully functioning human beings rather than just a half a person which is a person who's like a, a terminator walking around without any feelings. Yeah. And how to, you know, and we, it's called strong men are sensitive because you have to be realistic. And for sensitive boys, it's particularly devastating because most sensitive boys growing up are particularly teased and ostracized. We talked a little bit earlier about emotions. And so when boys pick on other boys, it's, it could be kind of a cruel boy culture, this boy code. And when they act differently, they, they get teased a lot. So... Sensitive boys do need have to, do need have do have to learn how to stand up for themselves, and but not have to accept that that's the way to be the way the the, the act like a man culture teaches them how to be because that's so it's the antithesis of how most sensitive boys are mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being uh, you know most men should be most boys should be aggressive thick skin unfeeling and sensitive boys are not that way and <clears throat> also for just in general. Boys who are taught to separate from their mothers, they're too early. Let's say they go to the kindergarten, the first day of kindergarten, and, and they're taught, oh, no, you know, you should be crying for your mom. It's okay for a girl to do it, but not yeah. for a boy. But how do we teach, if we then go to, if we look at what's in your new book, how do we teach boys that they can be both? They can be strong and, and assertive, but they can also be sensitive. Well, first of all, by modeling it and letting, bo- letting, letting them be exposed to uh, media that doesn't just have that one stereotypical way. And so much of the media, uh, with, from cartoons to movies <clears throat> that, that children are exposed to, is only showing that boys should act one way only. And so giving your uh, son a way to be in the world through your modeling and through through them seeing how, oh, it's okay for the father or uncles or grandfather to express their feelings, and they're going to learn a different way of being in the world and explaining to them that while the world frequently will say boys shouldn't cry, it's okay to cry, and giving them permission to be a fully functioning human being. Okay, very, very important. And so many of the problems that men have with women as adults come from the fact that they didn't get the nurturance that they needed from their mothers because they were taught too young to separate before they were ready to separate. So then what happens? So what's so, the consequence of that, Ted? So, so the consequence is they never had enough of that initial love from their mother, so they're constantly seeking that love and they're never feeling satisfied. Mm, interesting. But they can mm. never, but then because they were taught to repress their emotion, they can never be vulnerable and ask for it. 
So I, I feel do you think, like... Do you think... I have a question about that. Do you think that that's may, why many times men, even more than women, will have affairs? Because they don't know how to ask for love, so they find it somewhere else? Exactly. Exactly. And they never got it from their mothers because they were taught to act like a boy. And, you know, what are you, a sissy holding on to your mother all the time? So they yeah. never got that initial nurturance from their mothers, so they're constantly seeking it. And also, part of it has to do with this whole thing that... Well, a real, they're taught a real man is supposed to be tough and independent and, and dominate and have conquests. So they're just acting out basically what society has told them how they should be. Mm. And, you know, I don't think we'd be invading countries if men were brought up to express their feelings. I don't think we'd have so many terrorists. We wouldn't have, wouldn't have any terrorist attacks if, 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 if boys were taught it's okay to say if you're feeling sad instead of attacking. So it's, it's actually it's interesting because the women's movement let girls become full-functioning people and, you know, with sports and go to medical school. But there's something lagging with the, with the um, male consciousness movement because men, it's, nowadays you still see very little change in terms of what's considered appropriate male behavior. And there have been books written about it that are excellent, but it's, it really need, we really need to have a shift in society for this planet to continue. And actually I even said in my first book, the Highly Sensitive Person Survival Guide, that the continuation of the planet depends on men becoming more sensitive. Mm-hmm. sensitive. Mm. Because if we, if we don't have sensitive values, we'll just destroy the entire planet, which we're getting close to with global warming and mm. terrible Very interesting. Attacks. And in the few minutes we have left, and we'll talk about this more after the break, but speaking about global warming and globalness and other communities... Talk about sensitivity in individuals in other cultures. Give yeah, us a, a one sneak of the preview before the break. That was done was that the children who were the most sensitive in Canada, which is similar to you know North America, similar to America, were the least popular children in school. Yet in China, the children who were the most sensitive were the most popular children. And years ago, I had a foreign student, a foreign exchange student from Thailand, stay with me. And he says, oh, we were always taught to be very sensitive. He talked in a whisper, and he kind of tiptoed around the house. And I was in Denmark a few months ago giving some lectures on, uh, on highly sensitive people, on the subject of highly sensitive people, and mu- you'd see men with baby carriages very frequently. You'd see preschool teachers holding hands of little boys and girls just as much as you see women preschool teachers. So growing up sensitive in Denmark or China or Thailand it's totally different in terms of what's acceptable for male behavior. Hmm. So interesting. Well, we still have some more time, so let's talk about other cultures. What about um, Asian cultures or African cultures? Well, I think, you know, each, each, each society is different. Um, unfortunately, most cultures in the world do tend to um, denigrate and, and shame people who are sensitive. That's the unfortunate truth. Although in some cultures, and I, I, you know, I haven't done enough research to know, but in some cultures you get a mix. Like, for example, some of the um, Spanish-speaking countries, the, it's okay for men to, be, to show emotions, even though they, they still might have some older-fashioned values. Mm-hmm. Um, in India, I spent some time in India, and I know in India... Um, it's much more acceptable for men to, to, to be more uh, demonstrative. Uh, you, believe it or not, you see men who are not gay walking down the street with other men holding hands. 
So it's in you know so in each culture you have to take each country one by one, but it's very interesting that the the shame that some uh, people feel being sensitive is not experienced anywhere to the degree in in different cultures as mm. it is in America. Very interesting. And I think part of it with America is we had this whole thing of the frontiersmen in the Wild West with guns and shooting and the Marlboro Man being, you know, the tough guy on the the loner. And I think that's why in this country, because it started off being, you know, so frontiers-like and independent and fighting and aggressive, that's, I think, why by this country, in particular the United States, has held on to those values more than other countries. Mm. All right. My guest today is Ted Zeff, Ph.D., psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area. His book is The Highly Sensitive Person's Survival Guide. His website is hspsurvival.com, and his second book is The Highly Sensitive Person's Companion, which is a small book and great to put in your pocket because it's daily exercises for calming your senses in an overstimulating world. And when we come back, we're going to talk more to Ted about what are some other coping strategies if you are a naturally highly sensitive person, if you're sensitive to light or to noise or to strong sense or to time pressure or to crowds, if you're emotionally sensitive, he certainly can give you some tips. And again, you can go to his website, which is hspsurvival.com. Remember, folks, you can write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. And I have a newsletter and a blog. I would love to hear from you. I host three radio shows. I do quite a bit of speaking. And I'm really interested in interviewing more and more people for a long time because it's so important that we show these positive role models. That's what it's all about. And the show, remember, is about turning your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions and making your dreams come true. So when we come back, we'll talk more to Ted about being a highly sensitive person and what we can do about it. There are 20% of us, and I'm one of them, who are highly sensitive, and we'll spend more time on that. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Well, hello, everybody. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin, your host. Very happy to be here. Remember, this program is about turning your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, and making your dreams come true. And we have a great guest on today. We're talking about being a highly sensitive person. About one in five of us has a nervous system that is especially acute and finely tuned. And if you're in this group... It's a gift because you're creative and compassionate, and you really appreciate beauty and subtlety. On the other hand, though, you're more easily disturbed by bright lights and crowds and noise and scents and time pressure, much more than the rest of us. So in his first book, The Highly Sensitive Person Survival Guide, author Ted Zeff presented ways to manage your heightened sensitivity. And now in this companion book, he talks about tips so that we can find inner peace in any environment. Welcome back, Ted. Thank you. Okay, what are you hearing most when people come up to you and say, Ted, you know, I'm highly sensitive, here's my issue. What question or what concern do you hear most? Well, a lot of people are in a difficult work situation or they're in a difficult living situation and they don't know how to deal with the person who, let's say their neighbor is blasting their music or their boss is noisy or the colleague is noisy. How do you deal with it? So I have a whole program about how you deal with these less sensitive people who are making noise. One thing that's very important is you don't want to become an insensitive, sensitive person and blame anybody. So I recommend first you get a rapport with the person, get some kind of common ground to talk about, and then you explain to the person they're not doing anything wrong by blasting the music or whatever, but it's just that you take 100% responsibility that, you know, I have a finely tuned nervous system I'm wondering if we can compromise. And that's so much the key for highly sensitive people is compromising because the person may not even know that they're upsetting you because to them it's natural because everything else in society is very noisy and stimulating. So it's important that you work out a compromise and, you know, I'll say, oh, maybe I, you could turn on, you could talk loud on the phone during the, when I'm gone during my lunch hour or play your music then or, or if things... Or you could try different techniques like wearing um, earplugs, a headset. Headset is a godsend, especially when you're in an airport. Just put, I listen to my classical music on my iPod, and I tune everything else out, and I close my eyes. So um, just learning how to compromise with people. And then when people come back with, well, they still won't listen to me, they laugh at me, I'll say, well, why are you in a situation like that? You know, isn't inner peace your goal in life? And if your work situation or your living situation is creating misery for you and unhappiness, and you've tried every solution, then you need to examine why you'd want to stay in that solution. It's probably sometimes good to move on. It doesn't mean you're admitting defeat, but why would you want to support someone else's dysfunctional behavior? Mm-hmm. So really a lot of the questions you get are about relationships. What advice do you give to people who are in jobs where their boss or their colleague is a real bulldozer, you know, aggressive and, and not nice and mean and uh, uh, short or sarcastic or blunt or rude? You know, the first thing that came to my mind was quit. But, you know, you, you, what you want to do is, especially if the job pays well and th- this job market is not very good today, but you want to explain to them that you're not exactly like other people you have a finely tuned nervous system, but you give great benefits for your agency. 
You can see things that other people can't see. You pick up the subtleties in the environment. Um, you can tune in more to what's going on on a deeper level. You can ask your boss, gee, can I work from home if it's too hard in the office? Uh, can I have some kind of flex time where I come in earlier or come in later? Uh, and you just try and work out his compromise as much as possible. And if it doesn't work, if it's too much for you, then as I said before, you don't have to stay in that situation. Um, and, and basically, just it's your whole life is, is getting a, not only a compromise but a balance. So mm. you don't want to just retreat to your room all the time because you can't stand noise and people. But if you go to a movie, you want to go. You don't want to go to a blockbuster that just came out on a Saturday night. You want to go when the movie's been out for a while, yeah. to a weekday matinee, or yeah. you you know you can always rent a, a DVD. Ted, as we get older, does our sensitivity heighten or decrease? It actually increases. Children tend to be very sensitive. You notice little children are kind of fussy about, oh, the fabric, I don't like to wear that shirt because the fabric itches me or I don't like the taste of that. So <clears throat> sensitive children tend to be more sensitive. The time you get to be a teenager, think of the things you put up with that you probably wouldn't ever dream of putting up with now, like going to these parties with loud music. I mean, I think back how, how I used to just <clears throat> always be going out to parties when I was a teenager in early 20s. And then as we get older... We get more sensitive, so we want to withdraw a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give to people who come to you and just say, you know, um, I, I'm too sensitive and I let everything bother me. If somebody looks at me the wrong way or if they make a sarcastic comment, I get hurt. What advice do you give to them, Ted? Well, first of all, I tell them they're not too sensitive. They're exactly as sensitive as they're supposed to be because they have a finely tuned nervous system. Okay. And they're not doing anything wrong. And they need to learn, people who are sensitive, it's very hard because a lot, if not most, sensitive people tend to be shy and introverted. And because they were, a lot of sensitive people, if not most, were humiliated as children being told there's something wrong with them for being sensitive. So a lot of, consequently, highly sensitive adults have a low self-esteem. So they tend not to speak up. They tend to think, gee, there's something wrong with me. However, one of the most important things is learn to assert yourself because when you feel a sense of power, then you're not going to feel so hurt. So if someone says something that hurts your feelings and you take it in deeper than someone else, it's important to let the person know, you know, I really don't want you talking to me like that. It made me feel badly. Thank you very much. You're not mm-hmm. impolite to people, but you really need to stand up and learn to assert yourself and, and make your limits and not support things and not put yourself in situations that are hurtful. So if you know that somebody's really hurtful and is making fun of your sensitivity, I would not put yourself in a position of being with that person. You should also have some kind of support group, whether it's a formal support group or just mm-hmm. friends who are sensitive who can support your, where you're at. Because mm-hmm. if okay. you find your family members... All right, we have a couple minutes to break. What are your closing thoughts? What would you like to leave people with today? It's important to recognize that your sensitivity is a trait and it's neither good nor bad. You have a lot of wonderful qualities as a sensitive person, but it's also going to be challenging. So we really need to plan ahead and monitor our lives so that we can truly have a very full positive life as a sensitive person on this very overstimulating planet we live in. Hmm. Thank you, Ted. And tell us how people can get a hold of you or do some workshops with you and just give us some more information about contacting you. Yeah, you can go to 
HSP, which stands for Highly Sensitive Person, HSP Survival, S-U-R-V-I-V-A-L, and I have a lot of information on my website for sensitive people, as well as a healing CD and appointments if people like to have an appointment for a consultation with me. Okay. All right. And again, it's hspsurvival.com. That's it. All right. Thanks, Ted. I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing. And also, this guide is very interesting, the, the companion guide, because you can put it in your pocketbook, and it tells you a lot of different things that you can do, you know, at night, during the day, around food, around um, how to relax. So it's, um, it's a very nice guide. Thank you very much, Patricia. All right. Thanks for, thanks for being on the program. Stay on the line. Okay, folks, you've been listening to Positive Living. Just want to remind you that this show is on every Monday between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon a.m. Pacific. And you can write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I have a newsletter. I have a blog. I have three radio shows. And I do lots of speaking. And I would really love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your comments. You know, it's just so important that we show the positive sides of things. I mean, there's so much negative sensationalism, and we tend to believe it. When we often believe the one in a million negative story, we don't often believe the one in a million positive story. And we need to. We need to reframe our thinking because we can live a much happier and healthier life by doing so. All right, and next week we'll have an all-new program for you. Check out uh, not just my website, but my website will lead you to all the Voice America shows. You can go to Voice America and look up my name, Patricia Raskin, and my shows are archived on their site as well. Okay, and, you know, I just want to tell you, as each week, when I close each show, I say each week, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and really know that you can make your dreams come true, because you can. And this is what positive living is all about. This is what I've been dedicating 25 years to. And I also want to say that you're helping me make my dream come true by doing this work each week, several times a week. And by doing so, I'm helping you make your dream come true because of the amazing people that I'm exposing you to through the airwaves and really helping you to live the kind of life you want. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Monday and a great week. Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a lot show. Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. <laughs>